to me. Live from Twin Cities, we are the Dave Zeno. This is the Dave Zeno. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. back to another week of the Dave's I Know podcast. We have the, the regular co-host, hopefully uh, Bill McGuire is back in town. Hopefully he'll be back joining us relatively soon. But in the meantime, we have uh, Dan. Dan, how's it going? Going well. It was uh, good to see you guys uh, yesterday for a little so- socially distanced beer brewing with the hop clouds. It was. We'll talk about that in a second. But MJ, how are you doing? I'm doing great. As always, I'm happy to hang out with you guys, learn about beer and eat food. So thank you to Anna for providing sweets and, uh, and, and for, for Christian for providing some hot dogs. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we did get the chance to get together uh, yesterday, socially distant outside as well and watched uh, Tr- Christian and Chad brew beer. Chris, uh, Chow's brewing a, uh, a two hearted clone basically, or a, a two hearted replica beer. And Christian was working on the days I know beer, uh, officially called Heath Out Stout. Uh, it's going to be a stout with uh, peanut butter and a little bit of spice to it. So I think it's going to be really, really good beer. I like stouts a lot, so I'm very excited about it. You guys have, if, are you guys looking forward to, to the beer? Yeah, absolutely. Like everything we've had from Hop Clouds has been pretty outstanding and yes. the beer smelled incredible as Christian was pitching it. So I'm, yeah, uh, yeah it's, uh, it's what, like six to eight weeks and then we can get our hands on that? I think so. Yeah, kind of depends. Uh, with uh, it's like, going to be a, a big beer, a heavy beer. Um, so yeah, I think it's yeah. I think Christian had six to eight weeks before we can get it out. So we'll figure out something. Hopefully, we can do a, a socially distance uh, handout or so, like we kind of did for the very first beer back in well, that was still back in twenty twenty and back in March of uh, this year. Hopefully, to be able to do something like that, maybe we can work with uh, the Black Heart to either do it maybe outside. Um, people are not comfortable being inside or coming inside to grab a beer so we'll, we'll we'll set it up we'll figure it out we'll let everybody know so you can get your hands on that beer if you want Dave, uh, patreon.com slash the daves i know uh to help support the daves that you know i always had jesse join uh the, uh, the patreon so welcome jesse great to have him on the in the fold writing for us as well and hopefully we'll be seeing hearing some seeing some more writing from of his and yeah so it's i'm looking forward to you know what we're going to produce with the hot clouds so hopefully this one went well we can you know continue to do this going forward so yeah, if you want to get involved, patreon.com slash the Daves I know and help support the Daves that you know. All right, so let's talk that really dreadful match against FC Cincinnati. Um, before we jump into it, do you guys have any any sort of parting shots, takeaway thoughts from, from the match? Shout out to Issa Watch from the 55-1 podcast who said we need to go to striker camp. In this case, all players from both teams need to go, go to striker camp. It's not, she's not from the 551 podcast. That is where her father uh, podcasts. They, they have the 31 questions podcast, which is a, t- she has been podcast. a guest on that podcast. That's how she got her launch. That is not Issa's podcast. So I don't want, I don't, yeah, I, don't I don't need the wrath of a, of a 15 year old girl uh, coming at me on the internet, buddy. So uh, Issa, if you have any complaints, uh, MJ is the person who at, at me yeah, at MJ, do not at us. Um, Dan, do you have anything? Uh, you know, this is really, kind of a the culmination of a run of just really, really terrible wins games. You know, it, Houston, that game was okay, but man, this team has just gotten borderline unwatchable. So to that end, shout out to the Sinc- uh, Sinclair Broadcasting Company for making it actually unwatchable. So uh, shouts out for you guys. Thanks, thanks for uh, a little harm reduction there. Yeah, so um, if you're not familiar, obviously uh, you cannot watch – Minnesota United matches on basically any streaming service at this point. Um, Sinclair, Sinclair Broadcasting is uh, uh, an evil, evil corporation and uh, deserve all the ire that they get, uh, but they're making a shit ton of money. So what are you going to do? Um, you're going to get a VPN and ESPN plus, and that is how you're going to, how you're going to watch Minnesota United matches. So that is the way to go. All right. So uh, yeah. So FC Cincinnati, basically, you know, 
there was one good thing that happened in this game and it happened in the 92nd minutes. Um, but just a couple things before we get to there. Uh, Minnesota um, started Jan Gregus. He was back from his quarantine uh, after being with Slovakia in the international team. So he was back in the lineup with Ozzy uh, in the 4-2-3-1 that he prefers with uh, Emil, Emmanuel Reynoso uh, on the bench. He also got the start on the bench with uh, Finley Molino and Lude in Heath's favored uh, left-hand spot on the on the pitch. So, again, this was just a, a pretty terribly, terribly dreadful game. Uh, the first half was was bad. Um, second half was borderline even worse. Uh, Minnesota did have a little more chances in the, you know, right around the 20th minute of the first half on. They seemed to be the better team, but that was saying a lot about Minnesota. Um and yeah, in the 92nd minute, Schoenfeld gets his goal. Uh, there's a, a corner, a quick corner from Reynoso. Um, he puts the ball into the six-yard box. Boxel, um, with a great header, flicks it on towards the post. It hits the inside of the right post, bounces out. And FC Cincinnati, um, seemingly forgetting that the game was still going on, gave Schoenfeld all the time in the world to uh, take two touches and put the ball in the back of the net. So... Um, it was a great header by Boxel. The question, you know, a lot of FC Cincinnati fans were, were wondering is, should Minnesota United have even had a corner um, on the replay? Um, it looks like Haglin tries to clear the ball. Reynoso makes a run into the box, um, flex off of Haglin, and Haglin's trying to clear the ball, and it seems to hit Reynoso on his shin as he was the last player uh, that the ball hit. So he, to his credit, was very quick. He ran and got the ball. Um, this happened just after another corner. There, Minnesota had just had a corner less than 30 seconds prior. So credit to him for being quick and taking the ball and putting the ball, uh, you know, in a dangerous position for Minnesota. Yeah, Lude I mean, almost got his head on that one. <laughs> Lude almost defended it. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> and he was almost offside on the uh, on the other one. Yeah. Uh, no, but I mean. It, Full credit to Reynoso for for understanding the situation, taking the quick corner, not letting in the referee even reconsider his decision. Uh, it's given how quickly he took it. I think Cincinnati fans probably have a pretty fair gripe with this one. Um, in that sense, kind of a stolen three points for what was a completely dire ass game. And I think it's it's fairly arguable that neither team deserved any points for this, and in fact should have had to pay recompense for their terrible soccering. But yeah. most should have lost points, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> this is honestly, it's worse than financial doping, which uh, we have seen come with a points penalty. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, honestly, is there anything else you guys want to chat about with this game? I, this was a, a particularly uh, not great, not great match. So, what was the, the controversy about how we got the second corner kick? The defender was irate, and I assumed he was irate because he thought the ref was calling a penalty for a penalty kick and it just well, ended up being quarter, but the, apparently it went out off about out of bounds off us. Yes. That, I literally, what I just spent three minutes describing. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> we're paying attention to no. Yeah. So I think uh, the Hagelin thought the ball had went off of a Reynoso and should have been a goal kick. And so yeah. when he called the corner, uh, he w- would add up in, in protest to the, to the referee. So that was the, that was the controversy. So, and, Rightfully so. He probably was probably was correct. It should have probably been a, a FC Cincinnati goal kick. So we steal one. Stole well, and, and and Cincinnati really has no one to blame but themselves. I mean, if you want a visual definition of ball watching, watch about six Cincinnati defenders when Aaron Schoenfeld brings the ball down. Nobody yes. closes him down. Nobody's making a move. They're just like, oh, that's not good. And then it's past the keeper. <laughs> so like this isn't this isn't something where the loon scored some crazy overhead bite goal or, or, you know, Dane St. Clair came up and scored off a scorpion kick. Like all Cincinnati had to do was competently defend a corner and they didn't. So yes, I, they were hard done and yet they still have no one to blame but themselves. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of interesting stats. So Minnesota 18 shots, uh, only three of them were on target. Uh, they only had four shots in the first half. So they, you know, they piled, they piled on the shots in the second half, but again, not putting anything on the frame is and Cincinnati has, I believe their third string goalkeeper in, in that. So, you know, that's a guy you got to pepper with shots and, and, you know, put the ball in the net and hope good things happen. Like exactly what happened with Schoenfeld is put the ball on frame and good things happen. So, so is there anything, I mean, honestly, literally anything else we want to talk about uh, or we can 
I don't even I don't, don't even really want to do fucking Freddy Adus, man. This was this was a terrible game. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just want to follow up on something we talked about last week, which was whether Kaikamara was getting really poor service or whether he was in bad positions or, or kind of what was going on with him. Um, you know, David, to your point, like Cincinnati is an okay defensive team. They're not overwhelming at all. And this should have been a game where Kamara was able to boss them a little bit more. Instead, he has four out of nine passes completed in the attacking third. He was two of seven on aerial duels. So crosses are getting into him and he's just not taking in position. If you look at his heat map, his touches primarily are coming outside the box, uh, kind of in that zone 16 area. And he's just simply dropping too deep. So I think we're starting to see, particularly now that we have Grey Goosh back, um, you know, you've got the crossers in Metanair and Grey Goosh. You have Ozzy being the platform six, like, this was a game that I feel like we should have seen Kai Kamara do what he was signed to do. And if that game is, is an example of what he was signed to do, it, this is a coaching problem, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into this in the, the preview of the Rapids, but I am full expecting him to have just the absolute chip on his shoulder, like Christian Ramirez against us hell for leather. I'm scoring a goal or I'm going to die trying game. So if, if he comes out of this week without scoring, I think we really start to say there's a problem up top and we've got to figure out how to fix it. Yeah. And you know who figured out how to fix it? Adrian Heath, because he made the sub for Kai Kamara for Aaron Schoenfield. And that's why we won the game. Right. I mean, if it, if, if it wasn't for Adrian Heath subbing a Ethan Finley, the only player that looked like he was trying to score for, for Reynoso, taking him off the pitch and taking off, well, he eventually took off Kevin Molino. Yeah, in the 94th minute. So, I mean, so just th- those eight minutes that Molino got rest are just going to be key to Minnesota United down the stretch and going to be key for building Brent, Brent Coleman's, you know, confidence on the ball, those eight minutes he got. You know. Oh, you mean like eight seconds? It was like the 94th minute. So, <laughs> like yeah. eight seconds of, uh, of, of game time. So, it was, he, hey, he used all three of his subs. Oh, wait, he has five subs. Shit. <laughs> so you gotta send him send him more Melios. Uh, keep yeah. on. All right. Well, if you do, you guys want to? You, you have? Can you make Kogan arguments for uh, Freddie Deuce for Minnesota? I just feel like we should uh, again after last week acknowledge that we slated show and felt pretty badly. But me, me first and foremost. So I'll eat a little crow and say he didn't look great. But when the chips were down. Cincinnati gave him time to take two touches in the six, and he knows what to do with it. That's true. He, he, uh, he his, uh, his fiance or girlfriend, fiance, I'm not sure if they're engaged or not. Uh, Abby Dahlkepper uh, tweeted uh, after the game. So that was good to find out that she's a Loons fan now. So, you know, that was maybe the best thing that happened in that game. MJ, did you, did you have, can you make a case for, for somebody? Uh, I, I thought. Ozzy looked more himself than the last time he, he came he came in. And so just having that defensive presence in this center midfield was very, very welcome. So yeah. that's my good pretty ado. Yeah, I don't I I can't argue with either of those. I mean, I, I guess you could say Dane Sinclair, but he didn't really have much to do. He, he had a couple of they had a couple of decent opportunities early on in the game. Um, but you know nothing nothing outstanding no shots that he had to put onto a bar or anything like that so you I, I, let's not talk shitty because i think those those actually uh, play into some of the questions that we have later so um i guess my first question and this kind of goes to uh i think mj i'll let you start with uh, your shitty freddie ado has anyone on minnesota united fc look good post mls's back tournament we had one good player uh yeah. and i'll say i'll say minus reynoso Reynoso, you got to take Reynoso out. So people, players who played in the MLS's back tournament, has anyone who played in the MLS's back tournament even had a good, like, 90 minutes? So I was going to say Dane St. Clair, but he didn't, he, play. Wasn't, he didn't play in MLS's back. He didn't, yeah. So take and, out St. Clair, take out Reynoso. And, and, and neither is Reynoso. So, yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, you know, Finley got that recent brace, but he, even uh, – Apart from that game, he hasn't looked like himself. Well, he was, I mean, he was hurt for six games too. So he was, you know. I know, but like coming back from injury is always tough. You don't like yeah. whatever, but it's, 
I guess I question less Ethan Finley's abilities and more, let's say, our coaching staff on how early you bring guys back from injury, whether they're fit and ready to play at MLS starting, you know, the Ethan Finley's first game back, he went 90 minutes. You know, I, I'd like to think he learned something. And Reynoso coming back from COVID, he subbed him in this game. He didn't ask him to play 90 minutes. But so there's hope that Heath has learned something, right? That that Reynoso's first game back from an illness, he's, you know, not being shoved in and asked to, to play 90 minutes. Yeah, well, and, and COVID is certainly different than a strained hamstring. Like one of these is a very clear recovery timeline. The other is a global pandemic. Look, I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw a name out there for you. I, I think Boxy's been fine. I thought he was good at, at MLS's back. Um, I, MJ, I know you hate him and I'll let you, I'll let you rebut this, but for a guy who Metanera has not been particularly good, his, uh, any partner he was used to playing with in central defense has been in and out. It's, it used to be, aha, well, it was Coleman and then it was aha. And now it's Debassi. He's been pretty good. He's made some bad mistakes. I'll give you that. But as far as consistent performers, he's been really solid. Um, up top, I, this is a little bit of an artifact of how the question was asked, but in between MLS is back. And now we had the Robin Lude is actually a really good soccer player when he's put into the right position experience. So when Lude is on the right, yeah, yeah, I think he has been, oh my God, I'm about to say something so depressing. I think Robin Lude when played on the right has been our best player since MLS is back. (laughs) Oh, I'm sick. Uh, embrace it no no I will not join you on the dark side but you know that's and and now all of a sudden when quote-unquote we're all healthy he's back on the left and and he looks just as bad as he did before yeah so so our results since we came since MLS is back tournament we lost 2-1 to Kansas City we lost 3-1 to Dallas uh, we lost to the Houston Dynamo three nothing. We beat RSL four nothing. That was in that was the Robin Lude uh, experience extravaganza. Beat Dallas three to two. Lost to Sporting Kansas City one nothing. Two uh, two draw with Houston. A two one loss to Columbus. A zero zero draw with RSL. Uh, beat the Cincinnati team two nothing. Drew zero zero with Nashville. Uh, drew two two again with Houston, and then beat the Cincinnati team again one nothing. So there's one game in there. The, the RSL game is the one game where they've looked really good for 90 minutes. And again, you know, we had Robin Lude on the right and everything seemed to be clicking. Um, and then that Dallas game, the first half or no one, the Dallas game was actually not terrible. Um, they did have a couple of, of ridiculous goals that they allowed, but they got, you know, ended up getting the win. Other than that, I mean, it's, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to find 90 minutes uh, of really good Minnesota United uh, time or a player who's played a, a good 90 minutes. Well, and I assume a lot of that is fatigue related, but that again, comes back to coaching a little bit. I mean, we've been mostly talking about regulars here. Corey Hayes has looked really good at times. Um, he, he, he made out of get us a, a full good 90 against Houston, but a full solid 78, um, which isn't, isn't bad as these things go. So I, I think a lot of this does come down to fatigue, but it's also not fully explained by it because everybody else is playing the same incredibly crammed fixture list, but you can get 90 good minutes out of Nico Ladero, Jordan Morris, Brian Rodriguez, whatever. I'm not going to list a whole bunch of West Coast players. You don't have to play. Yeah. But why hasn't then Ja'Cory Hayes and Raheem Edwards been played more? You know, <laughs> They they have shown amazing talent on the ball, amazing passing vision and field vision, and a willingness to get back and help on defense and hustle on both sides of the ball. And so it, it, it comes back to uh, something that we've talked about in this pod plenty of times. We've been willing to rotate the players on the pitch. What about the personnel off the pitch? And David, what's the name of the stout that Pop Clouds is brewing for us again? Heath out, Stout. <laughs> we're getting yeah. back to basics, boys. We were too yeah. complimentary of Adrian post uh, MLS is back. It really, it's, yeah. I mean, I don't, 
I don't want to keep bringing it up because I don't want to sound like beating a dead horse here, but it really <laughs> all the all roads lead to uh you know all roads lead to Damascus Damascus all roads lead to Adrian Heath not having a job in a MOS uh, front office anymore. So I would rather beat a dead horse on this pod than be responsible for for running our players in so many horse races and then having to shoot them at the end. Um, it, I mean, it's just the the lack of ro- roster rotation and substitutions are is just going to take a toll. Yeah. All right. Let's move on then. Um, this is a question Dan, Dan posed uh, in our uh, group text the other day. Um, does it matter to you if Minnesota United hosts a playoff game uh, or goes on the road? So I think, yeah, let's answer it not to our own personal selves, but then let's maybe like answer it more generally in terms of like, does it matter to, to Minnesota? Um, Dan, well, your question, so why don't you start? Yeah, so right now the Loon sit in fifth. Uh, they've been kind of between fourth and fifth for, for quite a while. Um, they're going back and forth with uh, LAFC. Honestly, I don't like that matchup in either stadium, so I don't think it super matters. Uh, that said, there is some data that suggests that the same-day flights are, are taxing. So if the Loons have any chance against whoever they play in the playoffs, I think I think they need to host the playoff game against, uh, I was going to say RSL. They can beat RSL, I'm sure of that, <laughs> against LAFC. Um, but that sort of brings up a second point. Uh, that I want to have you guys answer as well, which is, so right now the Loons are in the 4-5 game. It is very unlikely that they will drop enough points to fall completely out of the playoffs. So, should the Loons continue to battle for as many points as possible, knowing they won't get into the top three, uh, and they will probably be stuck in either fourth or fifth, or should they start resting players and trying to get sixth or seventh so that instead of playing LASC that now has Carlos Vela back uh, they get a shot at Portland who they've played very well the last two seasons or sporting Kansas city who they can at least give a game to MJ always play to win. Uh, I don't like dropping to try to, you, you can't control what other teams are doing. If you try to manage your point totals so that, you get a certain playoff spot. Some other team wins or loses that you don't expect to win or lose. And it throws everything back. Just play to win, see where you fall, deal with it. That's my very idealistic approach to this. Also on the question of, does it matter if it's at home or not? Granted, I can't go to the game if it's home, but I totally agree, Dan, with the same day travel fatigue, not being able to travel early, practice in the climate, you know, have one or two days of, of practice in the climate that you're in makes a big deal. I would love to have a team like Real Salt Lake or LAFC or any team that is from a Southern climate have to play a playoff game in Minnesota. Yeah, I think that's fair. So right now um, Minnesota is in fifth place on points, but they're in fourth place on points per game which is presumably what, I mean, they, that's what John Garber said back in August, they were going to, you know, use points for a game if they needed to. Um, and, you know, Colorado has 14 matches played, so they definitely going to have to use points per game. <laughs> um, so we would, we would host LAFC uh, if the playoffs started uh, tomorrow. You know, Seattle and Portland are at 32 points um, and 1.78 and 1.68 points per game, respectively. Uh, KC's in first, actually, with 33 points but only on 1.74 points per game. So, so yeah, I mean, there's there's a legitimate chance, you know, with the games that Minnesota has coming up, uh, Colorado sporting sporting away is obviously tough, but Colorado and, and Chicago at home should be very, very winnable games for Minnesota. And then FC Dallas, at, again, at home. So three of their last four games are here in, in – uh, in Minnesota. Now, it seems like they're not going to make up that FC Dallas game that was postponed – um, doesn't seem like there's a way to fit that in the schedule unless for some reason um, they are, they make up the game during the international break, but that doesn't seem, especially considering Colorado's not going to make up all their games, doesn't seem likely to try and squeeze in one extra game um, before the playoffs start. So, you know, conceivably there's, you know, nine points, you know, six points for sure, possibly nine or 10 points that are, are, are up for grabs for Minnesota. 
and you could see them jump into that sort of second or third spot. But I think again, your your point is is you know, well argued. Does it make sense to to play LAFC when you could potentially play Portland or or you know Sporting Kansas City or Seattle for that matter? Uh, again, I think the you you guys both sort of mentioned the the same day travel. I think that is the toughest part about uh, about these games right now. Um, is the same day travel. Obviously, I think sporting has allowed fans into their stadium. So there will theoretically be fans in some of these stadiums, depending on if, you know, uh, if Dallas can make it into the top four. But right now, the top four, I think sporting is the only one that is allowing fans into the stadium. So, you know, you possibly could avoid the that potential, um, at least in the first round, you know, if they get to the second round or whatever. So, so yeah, I guess the, I'll, to answer your question, I you know, it doesn't matter to me uh, if we host a playoff game. Right. You know, we kind of, you know, they've joked in the 55 one podcast and I've joked here. It's like, I kind of don't want us to win MLS cup this year because how like we can't celebrate in the stadium with the fan, with, with everybody else, like seems like kind of a shitty thing. Uh, but again, like trophies are trophies, right? Flags fly forever. So to MJ's point, you know, you don't, you, you win, you play, you, you play, the, you play the best possible, the best that you possibly can. And also considering too, I think the other big thing is that, you know, we do finally have our, our sort of first choice starting 11 as it were for, you know, what we have available. Um, this, these guys haven't played a get together a ton. So it would be nice to get them some game time and hopefully that fixes some of the um, offensive ineptitude that we've seen of late too. So getting some playing time together is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I think the playing time argument is a is a particularly good one. Have we seen Ethan Finley and Reynoso play together? Did they overlap by a game, or have they? Was this the first ten minutes that they've been on the pitch together? Um, Reynoso and Finley were not on the pitch together during this game. <laughs> they, oh, that's because they <laughs> subbed for each other. Duh. I think I think they played together a little bit um, right before Finley got injured, but I think it was not not a ton of time. I remember exactly what their overlap looks like, but. I believe there was at least because Reynoso's played in ten games, he started seven, so yeah, Finley definitely played with. You know, they definitely played. They again, probably not a ton of actual minutes on the pitch though. So, I would argue that as much as Lude moving over to his more natural, more experienced role at right wing has helped his game, which it has. I am not denying that his stats and his play looks better on the right than on the left. I would argue that having a player like a Reynoso that plays in a similar style of shorter passes, cuts, moving the ball, let the ball do the work, not having to rely on so much technical ability and athleticism has helped his game and helped him look better just as much as moving over to the right-hand side has. And uh, certainly it would be nice to see what that would do for Finley's game or let's say a Raheem Edwards on the left or a Thomas Chacon. Yeah. Raheem Edwards and not even getting into the uh, 18 Raheem Edwards. So make that what you will. Uh, all right. Well, unless there's anything else, maybe we can wrap that up there and we can jump into some other United news. Is there any, any final, any final thoughts? Uh, the less said about Cincinnati, the better. Yes. I a hundred percent agree. So speaking of less said about things, uh, Lungfist, the man who destroyed Hassani Dotson's ankle um, a couple games ago, uh, he was suspended two games for violent uh, violent fall on Dotson. He obviously, did not he did not get a red card in that match, even though he should have. He was suspended like he got a red card um, by the uh, the disciplinary committee. So that's good. Hopefully, he doesn't go and break any more uh, any any other ankles out there. Um, and again, not they've not made any sort of definitive statement on Hassani Dotson, but you know, by all we all know that he's out for the rest of the year, right? So. Uh, Aaron Schoenfeld was named to the team of the week bench, which, you know, MLS must have needed some names to fill out the, uh, to fill out the team sheet for the best 11 and the bench. Um, but, you know, good for him. Way to, way to get back into your MLS scoring habits. So, and then finally, there was a, a report that I saw today that MLS is, is kicking around the idea of starting the 2021 season in April of next year, which is about a month later than they normally start. But also uh, pretty quick, considering they're going to be, you know, they're ending their season a lot later than they had anticipated, about a month, month and a half later than they had anticipated. 
uh, before COVID hit. So most of the leagues are taking a little extra time. Obviously, everything was shut down and players, you know, had to get back into game shape and all that. Uh, it seems like MLS is going to be moving a little quicker. Uh, obviously, soccer is a, is a different animal and, and offseasons are normally shorter anyways. But interesting that that is a sounds like they have a lot of contingency plans. They have a lot of other options. But it also sounds like they're just going to, you know, they're not going to wait for fans to be available in every stadium. They're just going to go ahead and, and, you know, start the season again as close to regular time as possible. So um, I would, you know, it would shock me if we still, if we get sort of another April to December uh, season next year where, you know, they, they extend it a little bit, make sure they honor some of the international breaks that they had planned on honoring in 2020. But anyways, do you guys have any thoughts on that? I have zero, zero thoughts on this. It certainly frees up U.S. youth players to play potentially in the Olympics, which I think is very important for development. I mean, we're going to see the impact of, of this season being screwy for probably the next five years. Um, I Like, in a vacuum, I'm not wild about it. Uh, I would rather start the season a little earlier and end a little earlier. With the extra month of play, though, um, it certainly makes some sense. I'll be interested to see how this affects CONCACAF Champions League um, because for the teams that qualify for that, they're certainly going to be up and going for admittedly far fewer games, but they're essentially going to be starting their preseason almost a month early. Uh, yeah. So it sounds like well, that article I read too, like it was in a business, it was in a sports business. Journal. I can't remember which one, um, but it says basically they were planning on the idea is that they will finish off the 2020 CONCACAF champions league in December after MLS uh, cup is done. There's three teams that are still in the, uh, in the CONCACAF champions league uh, for MLS so they, they want to try and finish that season in December. So my guess is they actually will start. CONCACAF Champions League actually might not start until middle of the year next year, which actually would give MLS a little more, um, a little more of a boost because normally when they start the you know start those matches, you know it's preseason as you mentioned, and you know teams haven't got a chance to play together too much. Might actually be a, a benefit to to MLS next year. So who knows? Yeah, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what they do with this. I do wonder if they're. Uh if at least part of the logic is there's almost no way that there's going to be a vaccine available on a traditional MLS start date. So very late February, very early March. Yeah. Mid April. Well, we're, we're getting into the realm of scientific possibility. So, and, and if you just shift that whole calendar, you're definitely getting that last month of games, you know, by the end of the year, we'll definitely have one. I mean, knock on wood, fingers crossed, Lord willing, the Creek don't rise, but they can probabilistically say, we can expect to have one. So I, I think this is fine, but it's obviously not ideal, but nothing about the last year has been. So, Hey, <laughs> correct. All right. MJ, uh, better know a loon segment is uh, obviously is the goal scorer from, from a couple days ago, Aaron Schoenfeld. So tell us a little bit more about Aaron Schoenfeld. He was born in Knoxville, Tennessee, went to high school at Bearden high school and actually won a state championship there in got to the state finals a, another time. So very successful at high school soccer, went to school nearby in East Tennessee State. And then his pro career started at a place called Portland Phoenix. That is not Portland, Oregon. That's Portland, Maine. They played back in 2011 in the USL PDL. For those of you that don't remember the Professional Development League, that is now USL League Two. But he then graduated to MLS, got uh, starting minutes at Columbus Crew with, with Ethan Finley, was briefly loaned to the Dayton Dutch Lions nearby in Ohio, but completed his, his last few uh, years in MLS up until that point with Columbus Crew, and, and then went over to Israel and played for three teams. He played for uh, very briefly for Maccabi uh, Netanya, and then got a really big boost in playing for Hapoel Tel Aviv, scoring 10 goals for them uh, in the 16-17 season for Hapoel Tel Aviv. And of course, that caught the eye of their biggest crosstown rival, Maccabi Tel Aviv. And so they paid for uh, paid for Schoenfeld to come over to Maccabi Tel Aviv for four seasons. And then Minnesota United picked him up and he returns to MLS, he, I just found out that he and Abby Dahlkemper, actually, for the second time, I remember that he and Abby Dahlkemper are in a dating relationship, and I then found out that 
before dating Aaron Schoenfeld, Abby Dahlkemper was dating one German baseball player known as Max Kepler. I don't think I knew Wait, that. What? Yeah, I did. I did not know that either. So um, I think she needs to move to Minnesota. Apparently, she's got a yeah. Uh, anyways, interesting. That's 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 very interesting. Yeah, for so, right. like maybe two years prior to starting dating Schoenfeld in 2019, uh, Dahlkemper and, and Kepler had a relationship. Weird. How would they even meet? I wonder. I assume they met in Germany, but maybe not. Like he apparently kept Max Kepler was seen at U.S. Uh, women's national teams games, you know, cheering, cheering her on, and and there were he, Instagram no, he, photos and so on. But I mean, he's been in he's been in Florida since like he was young, since he was like sixteen or sixteen. So, so I guess maybe it's possible they met some like in Florida somewhere. That would that must that would I, make sense. I think. You know me, the, uh, what should I say, the Sid Hartman, like, love a Minnesota connection in sports. I was looking to see if she had any grandparents or cousins in Minnesota or anything that would have her travel to Minnesota on a regular basis. You know, she grew, grew up, uh, born in Pennsylvania, grew up in Southern California. You know, there's nothing there. So, who knows? I, I'm... I, I could not dig up how they met, which was fair, fair enough. How, how either she and Aaron Schoenfeld met, or how she and, and Max Kepler met. But well, we know Max Kepler does like soccer. He's a big he's a big Hertha Berlin fan. So there is that. So cool. All right, uh, Ford Madison. They finished their season uh, this this last week. They had a one nothing loss at North Texas on Wednesday, and they beat the New England Revolution second team two to one on Saturday. Yes. And then uh, decided this is announced today. They are parting ways with uh, former Minnesota United legend uh, and their current coach, Daryl Shore. Um, no word on any other of the coaches or, or front office folks that are going. This is, this is sad. Um, Daryl Shore is obviously a well-respected Minnesota United uh, or Minnesota soccer uh, person here. A lot of the old school uh, folks remember Daryl Shore and, and all of him. And for the talent that, you know, Madison has they've sort of underachieved unfortunately in their their two seasons um they've had a hard time scoring goals which has been sort of their downfall so uh we wish Joe Shore all the best and hopefully he finds he lands I'm sure he'll land in his feet he yeah he always does so do you guys have any any other thoughts on Madison and Daryl Shore it's certainly justifiable I mean it's it my initial reaction was it's a bummer it's always a bummer when like the first coach for a franchise needs to move on um but they said it was mutual, I mean, for whatever that's worth. And, and his statements were extremely complimentary of the club. So wish him the best, wish them the best, and we'll see what comes next for both of them. I just, know, I just want to know what it's like to see the heralded coach that actually has a good relationship with his fan base and his teammates and coworkers, his players and coworkers. And after two years of that, because of the results on the pitch, they fire their head coach. I, I, I want to know what that's like. We all do, MJ. You're, yeah, just taking the wax out of the horse, aren't you? I'm just bring it back around. I, just, I can't help it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, uh, Minneapolis City News. What do you got, MJ? So last a uh, couple weekends ago, October 17th and 18th, they played in a sevens tournament that, that was not their intramural, like their own teams, own players playing each other sevens tournament. They actually played in a national sports center hosted tournament. They played in the men's open category because what other category are they going to play in? I kind of wonder if some of the teams in men's open should not have been in that division or if this is not really a tournament that Minneapolis city is supposed to jump into, but they want their players to play. They got their players to play. They pay their entry fee. They they won, you know, one game four one on their first day. They won another game twelve nil. Cool. So, uh, the, again, like, should some of the teams not been in men's open or is this? I I did see the the biggest name that jumped out of me on the group play sheet that does deserve to be there. It would be in their classes. Another M A M A S L uh, standout, uh, V Laura. Uh, Vivora FC Minneapolis uh, was at that tournament. So they would have gotten good competition had they played them. But essentially they won the tournament. They won the 
what is it called? The Socktober Sevens at, at the National Sports Center in the men's open division. They get a check for $2,500, which is no small feat. So congrats to Minneapolis City. They are doing heavy recruitment into their Minneapolis futures, working with high school coaches and high school parents and high school students to get more people involved in that. And also, David, I assume you threw this in there, the, the November 11th uh, Team Town Hall is coming up. Correct, yeah, be virtual. So I believe you have to be a member or a plus one of a member. So if you wanna attend that, please contact me. If you ever wanna see how a small town, uh, or sorry, a lower division soccer team plays and manages their finances and is completely open to their fan base, about what they do it's amazing yeah i don't think you actually need to be a member to 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 join and to to, to attend that um oh, you, okay. do need, you do need to be a member to vote on the things you need to be a member for 2021 so you can purchase your excuse me your 2021 memberships now for for next year you need to be a member to vote on the things and apparently there's gonna be a few things that they're gonna be voting on so and support local soccer so why not it's 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 the best deal in town yeah, I believe it's $65. Uh, you get a scarf entrance to all the games uh, if they happen next year. So yeah, yes, it's, yeah, two two extra tickets to bring a friend or whatever. So it's it's good time. So, all right, well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the two matches we have coming up this week. Uh, the crap is in the sports. So, all right, um, we'll be right back. You want me to be that type of dude and I want you like me too but we both know i can't do nothing at all yeah. all right and we're back got a couple good matches to talk about this week theoretically we'll be playing the colorado rapids although they did play a match uh last weekend so they have played at least one game so we'll be talking about that uh conveniently they played sporting kansas city on saturday and we are playing sporting kansas city on sunday so Let's jump into it first. Let's start with uh, with Colorado. Uh, Minnesota United is a uh, this is a home match on Wednesday, 7 p.m. Minnesota United is a favorite, uh, barely minus 105. Uh, Rapids are plus 235, and a draw is plus 280. Over under on goals is 2.5. So, Dan and MJ, uh, who should we look out for for Colorado Colorado Rapids? Considering they haven't we haven't seen them play. Um, in basically a month and a half. So, and why haven't we seen them play again? Oh yeah, because they got the the plague. Um, uh, Fifteen players and or staff members, right? Uh, I think it was five players and like thirteen staff members or something like that. I can't remember what the exact numbers were, but it was it was yeah, it's more staff substantial. Members. Yeah, but it was an insignificant, not an insignificant number of players. So and and staff. Literally, they had their, I believe it was their under twenty three. Coach was literally the only like, manager staff person that they had and who was he was running he was the guy who was running the practices like robin fraser got covid all of his assistants got covid they literally had like the u23 guy if they would have had to play a game i believe they had a they would have had a they would have had a player manager uh as, as their as their manager so um dan let's just a little bit about who uh, who we should look out for in colorado you know, uh, having the U23 coach would not have been the end of the world to uh, Cole Bassett and Sam Vines, as they are both 22 and under. Uh, Bassett and Vines were named this week, or last week, I believe, to MLS's 22 under 22 list. Uh, Vines plays fullback. He's solid in that position. A little naive at times, which is perhaps explained by his age. Um a very, very solid player, but somebody the Loons could theoretically attack at. Uh, Cole Bassett is the player that I've just been so impressed with. Uh, attacking midfielder, great sense of space. Uh, he's He moves very well between defenders. So when, uh, when a, even a good defensive shape starts to collapse into the box, he's really good at just picking out those pockets. So um, I'm very, very high on his future. I think we're seeing from from sporting a little bit what we saw from the loons against Houston, which is all of that time off would have been nice, but then there was a little bit too much and it turned into rust. So um, I don't expect Colorado to do much. They didn't really produce much of anything against sporting Kansas city, but at some point they'll turn from the rusty tin man into the tin man that can actually move. And then I think next season is when they get their heart. 
So uh, we'll uh, we'll see where they are on the recovery process. Yeah, they do have a lot of uh, interesting young players. I mean, Jonathan Lewis is another one that is uh, was on the bench against uh, Sporting Kansas City. Um, William Yarborough, American uh, keeper, um, previously played with uh, Lyon. And then uh, Drew Moore, I think, is the guy who is going to be the, who would have been the player manager, basically, if they if they needed to play without Robin Fraser. So, good point. MJ, do you have uh, you have anybody you want to talk about? No, not really. Uh, I just want to say that they're a team that Minnesota United historically has struggled with, regardless of who's on their roster. That is true. And Kai Kamara certainly would have liked to have more than one penalty kick goal to his name coming into this game. And so I'm looking at you, Kai Kamara. This should be your, this should be your game. Yeah. And the other, the other uh, player I'll point out too is um, another younger, younger player, not quite in the under 22, but Andre Shinyashinki um, has been yes. fairly decent for Colorado as well. These, these two teams drew two, uh, two during the MLS's back term and Kai Kamara actually getting uh, one of the goals against Minnesota United in the group stage. Uh, Jonathan Lewis had an absolute scorcher of a goal um, in the 59th minute, but um, a couple of Ethan Finley, an Ethan Finley brace um, managed a 2-2 draw for Minnesota. So I think these are going to be, these are much different teams now than they were, they, than where they were when they played back in July. So be interested to see what, uh, what Minnesota does with, uh, with that. So let's, so let's jump into to that part. Um, you know, how should Minnesota United attack Colorado? Uh, Dan, you want to go first? Yeah. I, I guess one of us has got to. Um, <laughs> look, they've got to. They got. They need to do something different. You know, uh, having Gregush and Reynoso back is going to make a huge difference. It should, in theory, give them a great platform to attack from. Reynoso should be able to find a pretty decent amount of space in that Colorado defense, which is not as good as it has been in the past, but certainly not as bad as it was last year. Um. I just have no confidence in this team right now. I, it's really hard to think of an interesting new way for them to attack when you just know that he's going to throw the four, two, three, one out there, same people and, and just trying to make it work. Um, to MJ's point, I think we will see the most motivated Kai Kamara that we will ever see for this team. So feed the beast, man. Uh, if he if he can body defenders, uh, he'll probably be matched up most of the game against Lawless Abubakar, which is a tough matchup. Abubakar is incredibly good in the air. Um, I don't know. Look, give Kamara a really, really solid first half and then switch things up and just try to run with the ball on the ground. Uh, if you can go in one or two up because he catches the header, so much the better. If not, have a plan B and don't just keep punching crosses in there. MJ? I want to attack their center mid. Uh, I want to attack Jack Price and Colin Warner. I think, and and so as much as I like attacking at the right, which we do all the time, and attacking at the left, which we don't do enough, you know, I'm looking at uh, Bubakar on on who plays right uh, center back, and my whole thing is the not to beat a dead horse again, but we have to find multiple avenues to attack. We can't always be trying to work the ball to Metonair and up to Finley on the right-hand side. We have to try some new things every once in a while. And looking at their center mid, I say we try some of those Ja'Cory Hay through balls to a cutting Finley or a Kai Kamara, or in whether that's Molino or Reynoso in the center attacking mid, use that middle just a little bit more. Yeah, so Colin Warner came off in the 28th minute of their match against Sporting. I'm not sure if that was for injury. Um, oh, he might not play. Yeah, Nicholas Mosquita came on for him as the – so I, I think your I think your point still stands. I think you can attack uh, Price and Mosquita um, yes. as, as well. So, so yeah, he, it's very likely that – Colin Warner won't, won't, won't actually be in the lineup or he'll be on the bench um, to start the match. So, well, and if Mesquita plays, that means Colorado is going to attack. I mean, yeah. Mesquita is not a holding midfielder by any definition of that term. So they'll, they'll probably look to, to attack the loons and score, which may work in our favor because it gives the loons the chance to run on the counter, which they can do pretty adeptly or could at one point this season. Yes. Yes. Could at, at some point do it. So, so yeah, that, I think that would be, you know, it's, you know, there's we always have the question of how do we want how do we want them to play versus how are they going to play and trying to square those circles is uh difficult because we can see 
we can see that we can we can see the deficiencies of this team and where's ignorant americans who don't who only care about substitutions right like <laughs> the fact that the, the guy who's being paid lots of money to figure out what the deficiencies of this team are can't see them is is a little a little frustrating so okay well how do how do you think the match ends uh dan i'm gonna say a draw i think with the loons playing as lackluster as they have in Colorado in theory on the ascendancy. I think that sets up badly. Um, an early goal would change everything for the loons, but uh, I'm not, I'm not dreaming that dream. That's fair. MJ. I also say draw. I we've always, despite our roster superiority, we have always struggled playing against Colorado. Sometimes we get wins. Sometimes we get losses. It, we just we just struggle so i say draw yeah they uh i think they they are still really pissed off about uh don garber forcing them to make that trade in the first season to uh, <laughs> um cronin and, and birch yeah cronin and birch so i think they are so they're still upset about that i'm a little more optimistic i think i think again your you know your point earlier that colorado is still rusty they haven't really got a chance to play too much together um the fact that they got their asses kicked by Sporting Kansas City, I don't think that's a necessarily a good sign. And so I think Minnesota pulls this one off. I think Minnesota needs three points in this match. I think anything less than three points is a, is a failure, as far as I'm concerned. So I think I think we get I think we I think we do get that, those early goals. We go up like two nothing and a half, and you know Colorado pulls one back, but we we end up winning something like three to one. So I must say Minnesota United wins three to one. Hey, I mean we come into the match on a five match unbeaten streak, so. Yep. Clearly, we've got the momentum. Yes, clearly. Uh, all right. And then uh, we play Sparks, the Sporting Kansas City's on Sunday uh, at 6.30 p.m. Uh, so it's a little earlier kickoff. I mean, you know, we've you can listen to all the archives about all the times we've talked about Sporting Kansas City just this year, let alone over the course of the year. This is a you know Peter Vermees team. He plays his 4-3-3. Um, there's a bunch of really good players out there. Anybody you want to highlight, uh, Dan? Uh, Alan Polito missed a substantial amount of time, uh, first, I believe, with COVID and then I, uh, with a subsequent injury. Uh, but he came back last week against Colorado, scored, looked lively. This is very bad news for the Loons. Honestly, this doesn't strike me as a, a version of Sporting Kansas City that's unbeatable. They just keep grinding out wins, though. So uh, yeah. my hope for this game is that it's, it's a chance to – uh, cycle the team a little bit. We do see Edwards. We see Hayes. Hasn't Chacon played like two of the last three games against Sporting Kansas City? Seems like that's yeah, always yeah. the game that Heath rotates him in on. So hey, maybe we see the the Thomas Chacon show, and uh, he really puts a puts a stamp on his time in Minnesota. That would be the dream. But look, Sporting Kansas City is really good, and I know I I totally actually agree with MJ's point from earlier that you play to win the game uh, to channel Herm Edwards. And, and the Loons should be taking this game seriously, but at the same time, you have to rotate the squad and Kansas City's going to probably either going to win the West or be runner-up. So pick your shots, and this is the least winnable game. MJ? Their back four, as atrocious as it is, you look at their front six, now that they have both Ilya Sanchez back as their number six, former Barcelona guy, and Gadi Kinda both playing in the center mid. They're playing 4-3-3 with our, the most hated or most beloved uh, Roger Espinoza attacking with them. And then that front three of Lucio Polito and Russell. It's, I don't like that front six against our back six at all. Now on the center back, yeah, they realized that maybe Matt Beasley shouldn't start uh, former Barcelona guy. Uh, Fontas is getting the start at center back. Is he a better pairing with uh, uh, Croatian Puncek? Maybe. But there are lots of ways to attack this team. But considering how much I don't think we will be possessing against this team, we really have to focus on defending that attacking six. Yeah, I I would agree. I think, you know, I, honestly, I think Minnesota's United's defense is up for it. Only given up two goals uh, to Kansas City. Uh, one you know, two matches, one goal in one other match. So you know we definitely can play these guys tough. The main problem with um with that is that we just don't score against Sporting Kansas City either. So, and 
as anemic as our offense has been uh, over the course of the last, you know, five games, even though we have the, you know, all the points from the two Oh and three we haven't scored a ton of goals and that has been really disconcerting. I really hope with uh, Colorado, we maybe, you know, Kai Kamara gets off the, it gets off the pod and, and, and scores a couple goals you know, maybe Robin Lude gets one, maybe even Reynoso gets his first with, with Minnesota. And that really just opens the, opens the, the, gives them the confidence and opens the floodgates for Minnesota United to start putting some balls in the back. And I don't think it will be in this game. I, I tend to agree. I'm, I'm a little pessimistic about anytime we, we play Peter Vermees led teams, he, he likes to beat up on Minnesota United um, and clearly has done that a lot this year. So I'm not very optimistic about our chances here. So I don't know. I think this is, I think we lose this game. I think, you know, again, I think it's like a two, one, one, nothing loss. And I think Dan, I think to your point it, it, about rotating the squad, I think we do see again, a lot of squad rotation. Um, Heath, for some reason, likes rotating his squad against sporting Kansas city, especially down in Kansas city. And this game will be down in Kansas city. So, so I don't know. I think, I think it's a, we play him tight, but I think ultimately sporting Kansas city uh, wins it. So you guys think any differently? Nope. Uh, I think it's, they, they lose 3-1, but okay. yes, similar <laughs> thoughts. Similar thoughts. Excellent, excellent. All right. All right, well, um, did you guys – I know uh, both your uh, both your teams lost this weekend. Did you guys want to talk about it? Did you need a therapy <laughs> session? I was up late working on bicycles uh, on, on Saturday evening, so I did not wake up to – I had a big a big brew day with the hop clouds on Sunday, and so I just, although I had an alarm set, I just slept through the Southampton Everton game, which they lost two nothing, and I think I picked a good day to to sleep. Yeah, I think you did too. So, <laughs> uh, the one game I will shout out, the less said about Arsenal, the better, is that Dortmund looked really good taking apart Schalke uh, and Gio Reyna. That's not hard to do nowadays, though, buddy. But no, yeah. it's, it's true. It's true. But I mean, it's the Ruhr Derby, the Riviera Derby. Yeah, right? sorry, Riviera. Yeah. Uh, Gio Reyna did not have an assist in this game, but boy, does he look lively! And uh, Dortmund's front of him and Sancho and Holland, like if they keep those guys, and I know Dortmund tends to sell them for huge profits. If they if they keep their front as is it is not hard to imagine them maturing into a team that can legitimately challenge Bayern. Yeah. I mean, I think they legitimately have a shot at, at winning the uh, Bundesliga and even champions league this year. Honestly, if they keep those guys together for the rest of the year, would not surprise me if they make a run in the champions league. So um, yeah, I, um, we watched SC St. Pauli on Saturday morning, which was great. And it, it was a literally a two, two draw in the a penalty kick in the 95th minute. Literally the last kick of the game. Uh, secured a draw for St. Pauli who are, you know, like thinking sixth place in, in Bundesliga two right now. So, uh, you know, they got a shot to, if they keep playing well, this is the best their attack has looked in quite some time. And if you are interested in watching FC St. Pauli, we'll be watching on delay. They have a match on Friday at 1230. It's on, actually it'll be on ESPN plus, but we're going to watch it at three o'clock uh, at the black Heart on delay. So if you're free on Friday, and you want to come check out FC St. Pauli. There's about, three of us who sit and watch the game. So we are very well socially distanced and uh, don't aren't anywhere near each other. So yeah. All right, cool. Well, big week uh, for Minnesota. We have two games, obviously uh, champions league, which, you know, one of our Europa league and then Everton, I guess, plays a game again this weekend. Right? <laughs> it's really, it's really right down the pyramid there. <laughs> uh, all right. So please Who's rate your podcast. Um, daysano.com, patreon.com slash daysano, especially if you want to get that Heath out, uh, stout, it's going to be a really good beer. And we really want to thank the hop clouds for doing this as well at TDIKM and on Twitter. I'm at Texas Zeller. Dan's at D Wade. MJ is at MJ Matsui and Bill, who is alive. We saw him this weekend at Bill underscore McGuire. Hopefully we'll get him back on the podcast soon. So, all right. Thanks for listening guys. We've been the days you know. This As you do yours, land here, become feet, con. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Who the act we attract to, hope to reach one. Uh, we-